Are you that yes person who can barely pronounce the word no? Are you glued to the treadmill of overcommitment? Have you looked back at any yearly goals you've set yourself and worked out whether they still align with where you actually want to go? Maybe they need an edit, maybe they need to be deleted. We won't know for sure until we revisit what balance means to you right now. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Balance Theory podcast. You have tuned in to a very, very, very special episode. This episode marks our one year anniversary. So I launched a podcast one year ago today, which is so exciting. So I literally launched my first episode, episode zero, one year ago today. And I can't even believe how fast that's flown. We are up to Monday Muse 12, which those of you who have been with us for a while will know is the very first episode of every month. So this marks our 12th one. I did miss January, so Matt's people don't chase after me. But I can't thank you enough for all the love and support to date. Our community is growing, our listener base is growing, my connection with not only all of you, but all of our guests is growing, and I've got the most exciting month planned to celebrate. So in honor of our birthday month, I'm going to be running double episodes every week for the month of June, and I've also got some surprise meditations from a past guest, so I'll share some more details about that on our socials, but we've got a jam-packed month, so get excited for that. In light of the fact that it is our birthday and it also coincides with sort of that halfway through the year point, I really wanted to revisit our goals, and not only that, our actual idea of balance. So for those of you who have tuned in to episode zero, Together, we went through a little bit of an exercise where we had a look at what our ideal of balance is like, and then we compared that to where we're actually spending that time now. And within those discrepancies, that's when you can see, okay, these are the areas I need to make changes in, or, you know, I've said X is important to me, but that's the area I spend the least amount of time in. So it was a really great tool to sort of get your head around balance. So as you all know, the whole concept of balance is a shifting one. It's never linear or static. And so what you may have identified as balance a year ago may or may not be the same today. And as I mentioned, we're halfway through the year. So it's also a great time to stop and reflect on goals you may have set yourself in January. So I think the turn of the year, we always rush to set ourselves some new goals. But how much do you go back and check in with them throughout the year? Are the things you set for yourself even still what you want right now? Maybe you can cross some of the things that you originally set yourself off. Either way, we need to make sure that we're still in alignment with what we set out to achieve, or it might be a question of editing or completely rewriting them if necessary. One thing I've learned with our goals is that being flexible here does absolute wonders. And that goes for both if you haven't achieved the goal or if your goalpost has changed. And I feel this is truly where we can find balance. Because how many times have you set yourself a goal and then not achieved it and felt terrible about it, you felt bad, and then that really throws you off your horse more than keep you on track. So I think being open to the possibility of change, acknowledging that these things are in a state of flux and the ebbs and flows of life are going to come with a life experience, then I think you'll feel more comfortable reassessing your goals or keeping in touch with them on an ongoing basis as you go throughout the year. Also, side note, this is a great way to keep yourself on track. I know in in years past, I've set goals and then just forgotten about them. And whilst, you know, writing them down has its proven benefits to you actually seeing that through, 
I do think this is an added layer we can do to not only reinforce and make sure they happen, but also just check in with yourself and make sure that it's actually what you still want. So our starting place is forget the goals for a minute. What does balance mean to you right now? So as I said, or as some of you may be familiar with, we did do this exercise one year ago, but in line with our anniversary and birthday, we're going to repeat it now and make sure that either you're still in alignment with what that looks like, or it might've changed. So we might need to re-update what that definition of balance means to you now. So think about the last year, since June, 2020, I know the world in its entirety was in a completely different state, but where you were is going to be highly dependent on your circumstances. Maybe you've become a parent in the last year, a business owner, you've received a promotion or completely changed roles, or it could be something as small as you've moved out of home. Maybe you're now single or you're in a relationship and that varies to your position last year. Whatever it is, you're obviously not in exactly the same place. So let's revisit our three areas of balance. We've got our health our relationships and our areas of fulfillment. So if we just take a minute and feel free to pause this if you do need a bit more time, I want you to rate out of 10. So we've got a total of 30, but rate each area out of 10 in terms of how important they are to you. So your health, including your physical and mental, how important is that to you? Your relationships, which encompass all of your family, love life, friendships, and any other relationships, how important are they to you out of 10? And don't feel weird or bad if you're putting them all as 10 out of 10. That's totally fine. And lucky last is your fulfillment category. So this would include your hobbies, your career or business, jobs, studies, passion, anything you do that you categorize as work or fulfilling. How important is that to you out of 10? Now let's have a look at how much time you're actually spending in each. So We need to look at this from a little bit of a bird's eye point of view. So consider your week end to end from Monday through to Sunday. We want to have a look at or consider how you're actually spending your time across the three areas of balance. So I'm going to tweak this a little bit from the original exercise that we undertook because as time goes on, you refine things. And so I thought of a little bit of a better way to go through it. So previously we went through each category and gave it a score out of 10. But in hindsight, if you work a nine to five job already, you spend the majority of time at work. So what I want to do is reframe that a little bit and say, okay, out of 10 for your fulfillment area. So that's not necessarily just your job. Maybe it could be like hobbies included or studies, anything like that. We can look at that one and go, okay, how much time are we spending in that out of 10 throughout our week? So if you're a nine to five office worker, as I mentioned, or a teacher or anything like that, it's probably going to be quite high up there as a 10 big part of your week. But then if we look at all the spare time you've got left over outside of that category, what I want you to do is rather than say, oh, well, I only spend three out of 10 on my health because it only makes up for four or five hours of your week. I want you to say out of that spare time, am I giving 10 out of 10 effort to my health? Am I giving 10 out of 10 effort to my relationships? Because realistically, if you work, let's say minimum 38 hour week, you wouldn't spend 38 hours in the gym if you could. Why no, I certainly wouldn't. So let's first think about your fulfillment area. I feel like that's the quickest one to knock off. So if you have a full-time job, you're probably sitting in the eight plus out of 10 area. If you work part-time, but then perhaps you've got some hobbies or other responsibilities on the side that you classify as fulfillment, you can still probably fall higher in that category somehow as well. I think majority of us will be sitting up here for this one because even if you're one of those lucky people who don't have to work and travel full time, well, not at the moment, but you know, just sort of lady of leisure vibes, 
it still forms part of your fulfillment. So you're probably still scoring quite high up. Will probably still form the chunk of your week. Now onto your health. Outside of your fulfillment hours during the week, are you giving 10 out of 10 effort to your health? So again, what does that look like to you? Let's start with an example. So for me, that would mean I meditate at least 10 minutes a day and spend about an hour physically exercising. So provided I do those things every single day, to me, that's 10 out of 10 in my health. If I feel like I would want to up those in any way, then maybe I'll be sitting at like a six to eight. If I'm not doing that at all and I want to be doing it, then probably five and under. So just have a think about where you sit with respect to your health. And lastly would be your relationship. So again, of the spare time you've got, how much effort are you putting into your relationship categories? Is it a 10 out of 10 effort? Are you seeing all of your loved ones over the span of a week or two? When you see them, is it quality time or is it rushed and not really considered? Are you seeing people out of obligation or out of want? All these sorts of things will come under the umbrella when we're looking at whether we're giving 10 out of 10 effort to our relationships. A quick consideration for this one too is if you've got a partner and you live with them, you know, are you actually spending quality time or do you count the nights when you just happen to be at home at the same time as time spent together? Because for me, I make a conscious effort to spend quality time. It's not necessarily just being in each other's presence, but it's actually setting aside a time and, and doing meaningful things together. And this is not to make you feel guilty for spending so much of your time at work, because obviously that's what the majority of us have to do, especially if you live in a major city. However, I think the point of difference is when we look at our spare time, it's are we wasting it? Are we spending it with people or doing things that don't fill us up, that don't make us happy and therefore taking away from ourselves? This is just more to highlight if your priorities have shifted in the last year or if you originally identified that family is something you want to be spending more time with, but you haven't actually made any changes to make that practical. So it's just to give you a little bit of a feel for what balance means to you. So If you're not currently too satisfied with the way you're utilizing your spare time, maybe you wish it looked a little more like an 8 out of 10 in your friendships and your relationships, or maybe you are hoping to spend a little bit more time on your physical health. Whatever it looks like to you, just get a rough idea of what your ideal sense of balance would mean. So whether that means more or less time in any of the categories, and just make a mental note of how that looks different to how you're currently spending your time. So now's the point when we can revisit those goals that we may have set for ourselves, either at the start of the year or ongoingly, whenever you kind of feel like you need to do that. Are these in alignment with your ideal of balance? So I'll give you an example. If your ideal of balance is spending most of your weekend with your family, but then you've got a business goal to get more clients or to expand the business, is this goal going to really lend itself to your ideal of balance? So for example, if you're finding that you're overworking, but you still want to be spending more time with your family, should your goal be edited? Maybe you need to hire someone or delegate a little bit more or upskill your staff expand the business in another way, perhaps. It's not always going to be as clear cut as that, but it's about acknowledging where we can take small steps towards aligning what we want for ourselves with our ideal of balance. And of course, you can't do that until you work out what that ideal really is. And of course, if you haven't entirely achieved your goal, we don't want to harp on about that either or make ourselves feel guilty because some things just need time. Something like the example I just gave, if, if it is a small business, you're obviously going to need a lot of your energy and time into it initially. But having that ideal of balance in mind will help you steer the goals and decisions you make along the way to get you there. I think the best way to look at your goals, I suppose, is are you any closer to your goal than what you were when you set it? 
And if you are, then you should be absolutely stoked because you're making that progress. And sometimes it's a small steps. And often I feel it is the small steps that add up. It's not always a monumental overnight shift. So be patient and provided your goals have the end game to align you with your ideal of balance, then just trust that you're on the journey, you're in the process and you just need to be patient. But I do want to chat quickly about time limits. So I think it's great to have some impetus behind your goals. So I'm sure all of you have heard about SMART goals and the M stands for measurable. But I do want to add a small caveat and say we need to be cautious with this as it's a really quick way to get disappointed when your goal relies on external factors beyond your control. For example, if you set a goal that you wanted to be promoted in six months time and then due to maybe the company's performance, planning or budget, something outside of you, this just doesn't happen. You need to be okay with the fact that things outside of your control have shifted that time frame. So here's another common one, and I'm sort of at the age where I hear it a lot as well. I wanna be engaged by the time I'm 26 or have a baby before I'm 30. Again, there's so many factors, including, you know, a whole other person's desires and wants and changing needs that contribute to this, that we can't be so hung up on timings. So that doesn't mean that your goal can't stand. It just might mean that you need to be a little bit more fluid and revisit it ongoingly, which is what we're doing today together as your life unfolds in different and uncertain ways. So it's about honoring the trivialities and the unexpectedness of life. And I'm sure some of you can relate when I say, You've set yourself a timeline or a deadline and then reality doesn't live up to that and how disheartening that can be. All right, I feel like I went on a little bit of a tangent there, but let's get back on track. So you have your ideal scores of what you would like your balance to look like. So now you've got to ask yourself, do the goals you've written yourself match with your ideal of balance? If not, I'm going to ask you two things. The first, is there a way you can tweak them now so that you're still heading towards your ideal? So it's almost like you're going to go in and just edit the goal because maybe what your ideal of balance is now isn't what it was when you wrote the goal or perhaps you realize now that it's really not going to put you in good stead towards that ideal of balance. And the second thing is, if you can't really edit that goal, then you may need to rethink your ideal of balance. So for example, if you are that small business owner who is dying to spend more time with your family, but you can't pull away or delegate or hire right now. So you cannot edit that goal of, you know, expanding or growing your business. Then maybe you need to rejig your understanding of balance and be comfortable with where you're at right now and own it rather than fall into this loop where you just resent it. In saying all of this as well, I would like to add that revisiting your personal goals is a really great tool to be used in both your own life, obviously, but also business and relationships. So about two years ago, for two years in a row, my partner and I attended this self-development event called Upgrade Your Life. It's by a fantastic company called A Higher Branch. And after the event, we sat down to think about our own respective personal goals. But we also then came together as a secondary point and thought about our goals as a couple. And I draw emphasis to the point that I think your personal goals need to be completely separate to your relationship goals and actually prioritize because I do think you need to be a healthy, happy, functioning human in order to be a moving part in any relationship. So when I speak about relationship goals, that could be what your future looks like together, financial goals, holidays you want to take and continuously revisiting these so that you as a partnership, as a friendship, as a relationship, whatever you want to call it, Remain connected and in touch with what the other person needs and wants. For business as well, it goes without saying, um, I run my side business with my best friend and 
literally the only way it works is because we have excellent communication. I am going to have her on the podcast this month and chat a little bit more about what it's like to run a business with your best friend. But we continuously check in with each other, give each other feedback, um, make sure our short and long-term goals align. Because, you know, if, if we both have the goal to have the business long-term, but then suddenly that goal changes for her, that's going to shift her decision-making and we're going to start butting heads a lot more. So touching base regularly is really, really important and being able to provide really candid feedback is another really, really big one. So I guess why I'm sharing this with you is it's really great to have goals, but I think we need to compartmentalize them into firstly, your personal goals, whatever that means for you, whatever is encapsulated within that. And then secondary goals being with your relationship, with your work or business and give them all the individual attention they need rather than umbrellaing them as all goals. So that's a little bit from me regarding touching base with your balance and revisiting the goals you set at the start of the year. But what if you're sitting there and you find yourself in a position where you haven't really taken much action towards your goals or you feel like you have taken action, but you really can't see much progress? So maybe you found you've taken only a string of soft moves and no really bold or lasting moves. On this, I also listened to an excellent podcast called Do You F and Mind by Alexis Fernandez. And she did an incredible episode recently on this. So if you're someone who feels like you've been doing a lot and seeing not that much progress, she breaks this down into soft moves and bold moves. So I would really recommend listening to that. Just DM me if you need a link to that one. But that was a really great way to sort of explain this process. So what's going on? Why are we not making any more progress towards our goals? Obviously, I wish I had the magic formula for this, but there could be a hundred reasons why you haven't stuck to them. One I think is really common that I've personally experienced and had a lot of discussions recently about is not setting boundaries correctly. So do any of these sound familiar to you? One, saying yes to an outing when you really want to be at home doing nothing. Two, going to a prior commitment when you have a massive deadline or a lot of stuff to do and you would really rather be at home working on that. Three, not spending enough time with your family because you're overworking. Four, you're someone who really hates letting other people down and you feel constant guilt about it. Nodding your head. This to me sounds like unhealthy boundaries and guess what this means for your goals. It means in the first instance, not prioritizing rest and recharge, which means you can't actually show up for yourself. And secondly, for others Two, missing that big deadline because you don't want to offend someone for not going to something you originally said you would, but that could mean losing a client opportunity or step that could change the course of your business. And three, being consumed by guilt when most people will probably understand if you need to cancel or shift things around. Now, if you're the type that always wants to be there for people you care about, it's probably because you really value your relationships. If you're the one at work who always says yes to every project, it reflects how much you value either working there or your learning. But when we only say yes, we might be missing chances to invest our time and energy in ways that can help us take our values and goals to new levels. So in this sense, saying yes, and that is to something you really don't want to be saying yes to, you know, when you get that gut feeling and you're like, oh, I really don't want to be doing that, but I feel like I have to, that's what I'm talking about. So saying yes is saying no to yourself. Let me just say that one more time. Saying yes to something you don't want to be saying yes to is saying no to yourself. Trust me, I know that's so much easier said than done that we'll always say yes to ourselves no matter what, which is why I wanted to share my thoughts on why we actually find it hard to stick to our boundaries and tips on how we can seriously rethink them in an attempt to make them the first priority most of the time. 
So I say that because in every situation, things will be different and they may not always be able to be prioritized. Like obviously life throws some fun and not so fun spanners at us, but we're talking about the majority of the time, upholding those boundaries and staying true and aligned with our values. So if you're someone who's tried setting boundaries before, maybe it's worked for a little bit, maybe you haven't really been able to kick it off. These are some of the reasons why you might find them hard to stick to or even set in the first place. Number one, the good old FOMO. The thought of missing any kind of opportunity will catapult you into a sea of overcommitment and a constant quest for experience. So in its basic essence, FOMO really just reflects a desire for excitement, connection, and adventure. And on the positive side, this can actually be a great way to help you learn and engage in different ways. But operating in the extreme is where we see ourselves being driven into constant chaos, little time to be you know, more, more selective and intentional in your activities and how they can relate to your long-term goals because you're sort of just diving at every opportunity there is for fear of missing out, of course. Another reason you may have found it difficult to either set or stick to your goals is you're a perfectionist, one I wholeheartedly relate to. So this is the kind of person that would rather feel pressure and stress over letting someone else down. Admittedly, you believe that saying no might be a sign of weakness, but on the positive, your consciousness serves you really well. It helps you stay focused and striving for excellence. However, my perfectionist people, when we take it too far, we can become really over-obsessed with performance and... Also, I think tied in this is a little bit of a sensitivity to feedback. Also tied up in these are our people pleasers and this constant impulsivity to kind of redeem or prove yourself. This is one I have definitely felt in my life and it makes it really, really hard to commit or stick to your boundaries if your priority is kind of proving yourself or pleasing others. Think about it. It just doesn't make sense. The two don't marry. Another reason may be social conditioning. So Think of anything from cultural, religious, or even just the way you were brought up. Any of those sort of expectations may tie into why it's difficult for you to set boundaries. And the last example I'm going to share is a lack of focus or being out of touch with your goals. So when you really don't have much direction, it's going to be hard to set or create boundaries that honor that path. So that might be why you found it difficult to either set or stick to them. But what are boundaries? So because they're actually drawn from your core beliefs, your perspective, opinions, values, etc., they're really, really personal. So rather than telling you what they are, I'm going to share my thoughts with you on what they're not. And this is important to understand before we dive into a conversation about how we can actually stick to them. So boundaries are not something that makes you unhappy. They're not about right and wrong, and they're not set in stone and can change over time. And this is probably one of my favorite points of today's episode. So like balance, that is a shifting and fluid concept. So too are your boundaries. They're ever changing. They depend on your goals, your ideal of balance, your relationships, mental state, all these things. So if you found you've had quite a dramatic change in the last year or even two or five, whatever, if you've just become a parent, You'll see that you may need to create stricter boundaries when it comes to your social life. Or if you've just started a diet, it means you will need to be stricter in terms of going out, etc. So honor the fact that they can change and something you may have considered a boundary before may no longer be a boundary. So how do we actually set them? So this is the first of two steps. And the good news is we've sort of already done this. We need to define it, define what's important to us because you can't protect or honor something if you don't know what that is. So when I think of a boundary, I think of like a transparent kind of circle around me that like 
you know that emoji where the person's got like two fists in front of them like saying no that's sort of why what I imagine my boundary to look like so before you can I guess assert that you need to know what's important to you so if you've already got a great grasp on what your ideal of balance looks like that's a really good starting point and if you've noticed there's a really big gap between the importance you place on it and the actual time spent in it then that's great because you can already start to establish what your boundaries might be protecting Another way you can dive deeper into this is perhaps through meditation or journaling, anything really that can give you space to sort of think about it. If you're still really stuck on this and you do want something really practical to guide you, I do have the worksheet from episode zero and I'm happy to email that over to you. You can just send me an email at the balance theory podcast at gmail.com. Just pop in the subject balance worksheet and I'll send that back to you. But a little quick note to self before we move on to step two is you'll find it will be really useful to repeat this exercise over and over, especially as your life and priorities change. And what we're doing today is working out what the balance and boundaries mean to you right now. So just bear that in mind. It is a a shifting concept. So again, when you think about these things a little bit deeper, you get a better idea for the things you may need to prioritize or things you might need to pull back on or say no to, or maybe it's something or someone you need to see is giving your time and energy to. Once you kind of categorize your values or I guess areas of importance across your own balance, then you can work about setting your boundaries to protect each of those. And just quickly as well, there are a lot of different types of boundaries you can create. So some of them require no explanation to others. And I love these, like you literally do not need to explain yourself. They are just boundaries you create within yourself. This is stuff like, I don't go to bed past 10 PM. I don't work once I get home, or I don't start my day without gratitude and journaling. They may not seem like it, but these are actually boundaries you create with yourself. They're commitments that you choose not to break because they protect your interests, values and wellness, as well as the path and journey that you're on. The other type of boundaries you might create outside of you, say in your relationships, and that can have to do with anything ranging from privacy to intimacy, socializing, friendships, etc. So now the crucial second step. It's all well and good to know what your boundaries are, what they look like, what they're protecting, but how are you going to practice and assert them? When push comes to shove, are you going to honor them? I'm going to share two tips for these. And these are two that I've actually had to recently exercise myself. The first one and nothing new and exciting. You've probably heard this many times, but it's the practice of saying no. Of course, another one easier said than done, but saying no does become easier with practice. And I'll add as well, saying no does not mean that you're being rude either, which I think many of us default to when we talk ourselves into saying yes. And so some of you like me will need to butter up or sprinkle the word no and use some one-liners that make it a little bit easier to break or softer. And so we don't feel like we're sort of letting other people down. So I'm just going to throw out a couple that I can think of the top of my head. Feel free to write them down or take them and try and come up with your own so that when you're in common situations, maybe you feel like your friends always ask you out and you don't want to go or work is always asking you to work on the weekends and you just don't want to do it or you can't do it. Anything that happens regularly, try and come up with the default response. So you're not stuck in this situation where you're just pressured to say yes. So what about some of these? That sounds like a great opportunity and I want to help. Is it okay if I give it some time to think about it? So that one's giving you a little bit of space to think before you dive in and say yes. Another one, I would love to help, but I currently have a lot on my plate and I just won't be able to give this the time it deserves. Or even something super simple as, can you approach me again on this in a few weeks? 
And I love that one because you may actually have the capacity to assist or work on that thing or attend that place in a few weeks time. Remember, boundaries are shifting. The only thing I would say with all of these is if you find yourself in a repetitive cycle, so someone keeps asking you over and over, obviously these ambiguous answers are not definitively saying yes or no. I think only one of them was really an outright no. So I think if you're in that situation, you have to be a little bit more assertive. You might want to use the one where it was like, I just won't be able to do this or give it the time it deserves, but thanks for asking me type thing. So that's my first one, practice saying no. And the second one's really similar, but it's practice describing your boundaries. So on this note, I just wanted to share some research I came across in my own reading by Marsha Linehan, and she's an American psychologist who founded this therapy called Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. Very simply, it's a type of psychotherapy that combines behavioral science with concepts like acceptance and mindfulness. But within this body of research and what really intrigued me is that she created a set of skills all about interpersonal effectiveness. And the one that's most relevant to our discussion is the FAST acronym, which deals with self-respect effectiveness. So it's really good in this situation for setting or sticking to boundaries. Also a good reminder to us all that sticking a boundary is actually a form of self-respect. So in the FAST acronym, F stands for fair. Be fair to yourself and to the other party to avoid resentment. A is for apologize. Apologize less. Take responsibility only when it's appropriate. S is for stick. Stick to your values and do not compromise your integrity to gain an outcome. And T is truthful. Be truthful and avoid exaggerating or acting helpless to manipulate others. So the thing I love about this is I think it does strike a really nice balance between asserting and asking for what you want without compromising your respect for the other person. So let's put these into practice so you can understand, I guess, how they actually operate. So in an example where a friend asks you to come over and help them with stuff for their business and you're really tired and you truthfully don't have the time, but you also don't want to disappoint them, not sticking to your boundary and not using the FAST acronym properly would probably read something like, I'm really tired, but I'd love to help. I guess I can go to bed a bit later to fit it in. Let's do it. And you end up agreeing to go, getting to bed late, which has crossed one of your personal boundaries. And you probably end up apologizing at some point for being tired or feeling like you shouldn't be tired. Whereas if you use the FAST acronym, it would read something like this. So in the F for fair, I appreciate you reaching out and asking me A for apologize or not apologize. It would just be, I'm really exhausted at the moment. S sticking to your values. I really value a proper night's sleep. T truthful. I would love to help you out another time though. So it would read, I really appreciate you reaching out and asking me. I'm just really exhausted at the moment and I really value a proper night's sleep. I would love to help you out another time though. Honestly, if someone doesn't take well to that, they legit have no respect for you. Think about if any of your friends or family said that to you, how would you respond? I know I would fully understand. In fact, I recently had the most amazing experience with a close friend of mine where I was saying yes to her a lot. I was giving her a lot of my time, helping her out with some side projects she was working on. And it became just super overwhelming. Like I literally don't even have the time to put that into my own things, but I really wanted to help her. And I knew I had to put my foot down. I think the turning point for me came where I could feel myself starting to avoid her, which was really strange. And, and I, it wasn't until I thought about my boundaries that I realized it was because I hadn't said it properly. And I've since learned about the people pleasing sequence. So it's where a low boundary leads to a breach of that boundary, which leads to resentment, which leads to avoidance. 
And because I valued our friendship, I just expressed what I needed, what I could give, what I valued. And to my pleasant surprise, she responded so well. And she actually said, I really appreciate that you can share that with me. And our friendship's been great ever since. I don't feel that resentment anymore. I feel comfortable and happy to say my boundaries have not been crossed. And to be honest, if she had acted adversely, I would have just realized that maybe this is a friendship I can no longer nurture because you really only want people who are on your team anyway. You change in life and so people need to be understanding and working with you in accordance with that change. I think understanding this about myself really helped me considering other people's schedules and responses to invitations or declines, shall we say. You literally can never take it personally. They might actually want to come, but because their values are more important than your invitation, they have to politely decline. And if we just circle back quickly, I just had another thought that boundaries actually give others a manual on how you expect to be treated and what behavior you're going to allow to be part of your life. So if you don't set these, people won't know how to act around you and you may be left feeling disrespected. So set the tone. And if you're not happy with something, it must mean that you haven't set a boundary correctly. So in a nutshell, we do need to revisit our ideals of balance on an ongoing basis. And that ties in really, really well with our goals too. And when thinking about our goals, we need to make sure that what they're set out to achieve is still in alignment with our ideal of balance. If they're not, feel absolutely comfortable to edit those, change them, or just delete them out of your goal list. You're literally the only one holding you accountable. And so feel free to shift gears where you feel you need to. And understand that that's just a process of the ebbs and flows of life. Now, if you have found it quite difficult to stick to your goals and you feel like they're still where you want to be heading and they do align with your ideals of balance, then one of the reasons you may be finding that tough is because you haven't stuck to or set any boundaries. So have a little think about if you can set any boundaries to amplify any of your areas of balance or any goals imagine you can kind of safeguard their probability of of occurring or or small steps that you can take if you can protect those and make sure they happen then that's when a boundary needs to come in be weary of the limitations with boundaries but also acknowledge their benefits because i know firsthand how hard it is to stick to it when you really do want to be helping someone but it just becomes a priority determination you know like if you don't reinvest that time into re-energizing yourself or relaxing then you may never fully be able to say yes to things moving forward so thank you so much guys for tuning in that is my monday muse 12 and birthday episode i'm so excited that we're still here doing this that we're growing and for all the love and support to date as i mentioned during the episode if you do want a copy of that pdf just feel free to email me i'll re-put the email in the show notes below so you don't have to rewind or scroll back to listen And if you do want to share the birthday love, share the anniversary love, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave your thoughts on either today's episode or any of the episodes we've had across the whole year, as it would really help us reach more balances and continue to grow this amazing community. Get really excited for the month ahead. I've got three incredible guests on plus another three who form part of my personal circle. All three of them I've been dying to interview and I thought there is no better time to do this than my birthday month. So I'm really excited to be bringing you that and I will also be launching a couple meditations, sprinkling them through throughout the month for your use and you can save them and go back to them whenever you like. Another great time to shoot me feedback, requests, or anything else you want to share, either through email or Instagram. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. Stay balanced and I'll see you next week for a whole nother episode. See you guys.
Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com slash covered.